0: Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Access Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller and Marjorie DeHaye with Media Mavens Podcast. And we are here with one of our favorite podcasters, Jeffrey Hazlett, chairman of C-Suite Networks. Good to have you back again, Jeffrey.
1: It is good to be here. Thanks so much for having me.
0: I always love having you on our show. It's always like the best moments of podcast history. You got to get out one. more
1: often. Then you just have <laughs> got to get out a lot more often. If I'm your highlight, that's a that's a that's not a good thing. <laughs> I
0: said you're one of my highlights. I oh, okay. My highlights. okay.
1: Well, well, <laughs> many us. Well, Hey, good, good job covering your ass on that one. That's, good. That's, good. That's good. That's good.
0: Wow. This is how this podcast is going to roll. Well. You are one of my favorites to talk to, though. You have such tremendous history in networking and broadcasting. And we just wrapped up a podcast, a series on kind of like the best of, worst of, like how to give other people that inspiration. Why are we doing podcasts? What made them decide to do the podcast? So I really want to get you on our show because I just... as from the day I met you, you've always led the space of broadcasting. You grew C-suite networks, TV, radio, film. I, I think we are on one of your, your networks. You're on the right. C-suite
1: radio. Yeah. yeah. On our podcast network. And hey, we got 480, 480 podcasts on that network and growing. We actually have, I need more and more content because I've actually got so many great advertisers now that have come to us. I need more content to fill the fill the demand, which is great. And, not to mention that on the same time, we've got all of these listeners, you know, we're growing by about 170% yeah. a year. So it's really going well.
0: Yeah, I'm super happy we moved where we were over to C-Suite Networks. So you were one of the main reasons why I moved the podcast over. But I want to talk to you because I know you have a lot going on. But I have some questions for you, some rapid fires. Why did you originally start your podcast? Or
1: get uh, Because to- somebody paid me. So that was number one. So That's CBS valid. came... I got started with CBS. CBS started the podcast network and they, they asked me to be the business anchor. Carson Daly was the pop anchor. Jennifer Beale was the health and you know wellness person. And Boomer Syason was the sports. And they started with those four genres because they pay well. And so for them as advertisers, they were looking for anchor shows. So we were the anchors. All four of us were the anchors. And we brought on so many others. Danny Bonaducci. Well, see, bro, what's Robert's last name? He played Arvis. Arvis, Arvis, remember Arvis, the show mm-hmm. Arvis? Anyway, Robert was one of those guys. And then there were a bunch of others. We brought on a ton, a ton of other podcasters with us as we built up the network and then they got out of the business. That's how I got started with C3 Radio. I took and, all the business ones.
0: And you grew it. You have TV, radio, talk show. I mean, you're everything. You're Mr. Media.
1: Yeah, we're, well, but that's it. That's, you just said exactly what people should be doing in business today. They should become media company everybody, whether you know whether it's a personal brand or it's a you know a brand brand in terms of commercial brand, you should be building content. That's the name of the game. Covid didn't cause this stuff, but this digital transformation in terms of how we're, how you get the message out is important. It, you know, days became weeks, weeks became months, months became years. And so now it's all about getting your content out and finding reach, discovery, and conversion. And so, you know, it used to be you did a blog. It used to be you did a couple of different things. You had a website, you know, you had a Facebook page. Remember when at one point they thought Facebook was going to replace a website. I remember back in 2007, eight, nine, talking about that when I was the chief marketing officer at Kodak, are we going to get rid of a website? You know, of course, that's not been the case. That's just table stakes. But But now it's media. You got to have a podcast as a brand. You got to have a TV show as a brand. You got to have You know, YouTube content, video content, you got to have, you know, more than just a blog. I I named the very first chief blogger ever in the history of the country. In fact, it's a look it up on Wikipedia, you know, and I named the very first chief listening officer because I realized that, you know, content's king, activation is queen, but context is the kingdom where you put it how you put it out there, the way you put it out there. So brands just have to realize you got to get out there with the message. And so content's critical.
2: Let's talk a little bit about you. We're talking about reach and discovery. What do you do to really reach out to people so that they can find your content? What are some of the key (laughs) tricks you can give to podcasters?
1: Be good. (laughs) Be good. You know, a lot of folks think it's, oh, I'm going to go get the most famous person on my podcast and that's going to lead to all these i mean i was looking over my list the other day because i've literally done 700 i think podcasts of my just show of my own show and then I, i you know i do a podcast interview like this a day on other shows and and so i used to think well And I was going through the list of all the shows because I was I was going back to go hit people up for some advertising and some other things. And so and I was just amazed at the people that I had on, famous people, you know, Pierce Morgan, uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss. uh, You know, I can just go on a whole list of like who's who, a billion and multi-billion dollar brands. And yet none of them led me to a lot of followers or a lot of likes or a lot of listeners because they're coming. People come to me because I'm the expert at what I do. And so the key to get really great listeners and great followers, you know, great lovers of your brand is to be good at what you do and to be a thought leader at what you do. And the others might give you some, you know, maybe if I put out something about Gene Simmons and the Kiss Army, maybe a few, but most of those people I don't want to talk to. So I always tell people, like, how many clicks do you really need? How many followers? You just need one or, or a handful. You just need the right ones, Right. So, you know, that's important for a lot of people who are doing podcasting today. I tell them that it's not about becoming famous. It's about using fortune, not fame. And what I mean by that, I I was just on the phone five seconds before I got on this call with you guys to do this interview. And I was talking to a leader. I said, you want business, do a podcast and interview the people you want to do business with. So if you did a weekly podcast podcast and you close 30% of the people that you interview, you would be ecstatic, right? Because that's just that much new business. You know, that's 15 new clients in a given year. If you close 30% of them over a year, that most people would like, oh my gosh, that'd be great. And we're seeing podcasters do that. And then someone said, Jeff, well, I want to increase my business. I said, well, And that's easy. And it goes, well, what can you teach me some more sales technique? I said, well, I said, you know, 30, 35 percent good closing ratio. Quite frankly, if you every you know, every person you talk to, you're closing, you know, one third of one out of three. That's pretty good. What you need to just do is more podcasts instead of doing a weekly podcast, do it twice a week or do it every day. Put yourself in front of more people that you want to do business with. So those are just some real quick tips on some stuff. Sorry, Marjorie. Hey. You put the quarter and you get to go for the full ride. <laughs> I love you know, it, man. You know? That's a great
0: advice. Great. <laughs> it if I, see, really I is. thought it was like consistency. When we started this, I always want to be consistent. I have people say, oh, well, we took a break. We came back. And I've always pushed to do two, three, four, five a week because yeah. I want to be weekly. Every week, every Wednesday, we want to drop medium, maybe. That's
1: that's important to do. So you build that kind of cadence. It's a, And I call that the cadence, you know, an energy kind of every business has got to have its own set of cadence. A podcast needs a cadence. The way in which you do your interview has a cadence. You know, I filmed a podcast today for mine and a TV show. I turned my podcast into a TV show, too. And I filmed that show today and at eight minutes in and at 16 minutes in, I take a break. You know, that's that's just what I do. And so that way I have a pre-roll, an eight minute, a 16 minute. Right. And then I have a post-roll commercial as well. So, and I just build in those breaks wherever I possibly can. Now, sometimes I get too excited, I forget, but we do our best to try to build those in naturally. So we kind of watch the clock and you kind of have that, but yeah, you're right about that. And then people know who are regular listeners know that they're going to, oh, there it goes. I can either tune it in or tune it out, you know?
0: Yes. And I, I love that, the consistency and the branding, because we're now into season seven. I think I oh, met wow. you as in season. Yeah. So I literally, you are my hundred and sixty-fifth podcast
1: interview. Wow, that's great.
0: Two years. We just are burning through this. But you know, a lot of people are coming to me now because so it's like our successes. We have the most badass social media guy. So every week we do a social video reel on the industry with stats and anecdotes introducing you. Then we have your reel that drops on Wednesday with. 30, 40 second audio clip with your photo and the topics. And because I've had so many people and this is to me, we don't we're not the Joe Rogans of the world. But I've had so many people in sports and NBAs, NFL, big people say you guys have the most polished pieces you send out. That we've seen.
1: That's that we've awesome.
0: And because we 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 do because we're
1: a PR but, you're, but we, you're thought leaders. leaders. You're, you're creating the things that you need to do to be a thought leader. It's like but, but is it's PR like...
0: the answer? Is like is our brand, So I put Brandy and Ann PR behind all of this to make it look polished, but I don't know if that's the right or wrong answer. Perception's reality. I think it's that a consistency, but you have more podcast, broadcast wisdom and experience than I do.
1: Yeah, but when you talk about your brand, I always tell people about a brand is nothing but a promise delivered. So, what's your promise that you're delivering? And so, your your look and feel is as much, or the quality of the things that you do is as much as what you have in terms of your information, right? So, a good example of that inside the C suite network, and we just really redid our website and activity. So it's much more like a publishing site than it has been in the past where it was more like a membership site. Now it's all content, 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 because we know the power of that content. I tell everybody internally when they show me something and I just ask the question, is it C-suite worthy? I mean, does it have that look, feel, touch, the the intonation of being in the C-suite? Well, if it does, then you can look at it, right, and see it. And you know it's, it's kind of interesting because we're the one of the most searched areas for C-suite now and, and have been, and, orga- and we've done that organically for years. We've done it by just earning it, right? Where hundreds of thousands of people come to us every day just because it's C-suite. And we even get credit for other people's stuff now, right? Because it's C-suite, they go. Oh, I saw your stuff, and I go. Oh, that wasn't ours, you know. <laughs> I know I never tell them that, but I, you know, but it wasn't ours, right?
0: That's so funny. It's like I, I love it too. I mean, I love looking at other podcasters, seeing what they do, seeing how they come along. I've become friends with a few. We had one or two great podcasters on our show. I've been on their shows to talk about leadership and stuff, and it, it's it's so good to talk to other people who are building their own podcast did you bounce things off each other. I remember when I first started my career a long time ago, not to age myself. Eight, like, okay, so I think we just went on. I've had the agency for 16 years this August, podcast for two. I used to always use content as king. People used to laugh at me. Oh, it's just a fad. You're not going to say that two years, three years from now, just whatever. That's just what Look you're doing. Look at it at here. And yeah. you know what? Content will always be king. It's all about yeah. consumption. Now, how you consume it on various platforms, how you deliver it and make money off of it. That's a whole different thing that just evolves over time. But content will always be king. And then I'm talking to people on the metaverse. Look at the metaverse. Well, meta, which is Facebook, formerly known as. I mean, it's just another way to push content and reach people and experiential. I have not seen anybody on the podcast side dive into the metaverse. I wanted to ask you what your thoughts were on that.
1: I think the metaverse right now is still a place. It's kind of like Second Life, where remember Second Life, everybody who didn't have a first life would go and hang out. So you know, I we'll see how it, we'll see where it goes and what happens. It's a ways off before everybody else. We got a long ways to jump the shark on that particular piece by a long time. But but getting back to content, it, look, content's always going to be at the very top, and that's where the thought leadership is. That's where the expertise is. That's what separates the haves and have nots. It separates those that, that want to play and those who can play. And, you know, that's why being a thought leader's got a lot of things to go with it. You know, you got to be quoted, you have to be cited, you have to be have, you have to have haters, you know, you have to have a lot of different things. You have to be published. There's a lot of different things that go with that. And that's why content is so critical because in the end, that's what wins. That's what wins. You can look at someone's website and, and you can't tell if they're a billion dollar brand or or a a small bit, a really small business by their website. Right. You can't tell if they really know their stuff or not by looking at their website because they can look good. They can look and they can act like they've made it until they made it. Right. But the key is, if you've got great content, you know, they've made it. That's it.
0: It's the difference between being a real leader. You see all this bullshit on social. People saying they're uh, expert in esports, AI. Oh, I like I like, 18, I like the eighteen.
1: I like the eighteen-year-old life coaches. That's the ones I like. You're not a life coach at eighteen. You're a teen coach. Let's be very clear. You're a teen coach. All right.
0: It's like somebody had the epiphany where they're off to drinking, or they gave one of their buddies good advice, and now they decided they are a life coach. Yeah. If
1: you can't buy a drink in a bar, you can't be a life coach. Let's just be clear. All right.
0: You got to have the haters to be able to have the experience to lead. But it's also like we see a lot of people saying, like I saw a lot of people that were experts in VR, AR, music, sports, Bitcoin, currency. They're Now they're an expert in metaverse. I'm like, come on, you're an expert in every three-letter nutrient, but you know shit about any of these subjects. Yeah, that's why
1: I don't want to talk to most of those people. I know you know I just it's like oh come on you know what show me the business you run show me a real business you well, run well
0: to me okay so here's the thing I've done a lot of like, I've been a lot of the podcasts lately I do like a whole little jaunt of them where I was a guest all on leadership and to me a good leader is not so we all can make good decisions we all make decisions it's easy to make a good decision it takes a lot of strength and character to make a bad decision how you make a bad decision <laughs> how you fall and pick yourself back up with enough yeah. class and grace. To still have followers, that to me is a sign of a good leader because you gotta think life's complicated. COVID came. It's not easy being a CEO, being a leader, producing stuff. But how you handle the bad to me is a sign of you
1: as a good leader. uh, Without question. How you handle other people. I mean, all that. I saw a thing from Muhammad Ali yesterday that said, can't remember, but something along the lines I'll decide whether you're if you'll be my friend, but by how you treat the waiter. You know, it was like yeah. that kind of quote and it was really kind of cool. But Isn't that yeah, a dating
0: rule? How you can't date somebody on the second date if they can't treat the waiter or waitress with the... Oh,
1: I don't know. I have no idea. I'm not a <laughs> dater. I don't have a lot of dates when you're married. It's a lot of, you, yeah. know, you know... But,
0: it, but it's, just, it's true. It's like how you treat... I mean, everybody has bad days. And like, I just did a huge media training session with a client of ours. We're in and out of that all weekend. Everybody is a human being. Everybody has a bad day. You yeah. got to check whatever's going on in your bad day away before you hop on a call because you can never make somebody else feel the brunt of what your bad day is. You can never make them feel like they're expendable or that they weren't worthy. If I have to make a bad decision to fire somebody, or we make a bad decision that's going to derail your world, I need to make sure you don't walk away feeling like you were a direct hit feeling like you weren't appreciated. Like to me, how you make these decisions is difference between a good leader and a bad leader?
1: Well, you're going to fail. I mean, that's the I was talking about. It's it fail. about failing. It's not about failing fast, it's about winning fast. But because you're going to fail. But you know, trust me. And, and everybody's asked He said, Jeff, what's the worst decision you've ever made in business? I said, I don't know. I haven't made it yet. Meaning, <laughs> that, uh, there's going to be a worse one. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I inspire to make worse decisions because that's how you learn. I mean, that's how you're going to get better at what you do. I mean, and and there are days when you have bad days. Like I had a bad day this morning. Like uh, I should have probably called my uh, chief operating officer, my chief community officer today because I was like, I was ranting and raving. And then I had to call her back and apologize because I was such an ass. But see,
0: that to me is leadership. Leadership is not like I need to apologize to you regardless, not because of my ego, but because I care and value our relationship as well. Oh, yeah. I apologize no matter if I feel I'm right or wrong, because we have this perceptions reality where I may have gone off on something and I may not have realized what an asshole I was. So regardless of if I thought I was or not, if I even question that I owe you an apology because I care about the relationship and your productivity for my company.
1: Well, and about the person, in the person. The, you know, yeah, the person, but you know, because and I wasn't totally right, but I was right in some regards, and she was right too. But I just didn't didn't want to listen to it to be honest with you at that moment in time. And I I, would, I voiced my opinion so, and then I realized afterwards that was probably not the right thing to do. And so you know, I we all have those days. We all have those days, and we have, and luckily I'm surrounded with a team that allows me to to be human to, you know, do the things like that, that I do sometimes. And, you know, it, and it's not easy. It's not easy when you have to, it's not easy being human.
0: Right. You know? It's yeah. tough. Hey, well, I want to pivot a little bit to, now, Marjorie, I wanted to like We were talking about this with you a while ago, I think on our last podcast about how hard and how easy it is to make these decisions. I don't want to get too far off the political path. Being a female executive, it's more difficult to lead than being a male executive. And I'm going to kind of bounce this to Marjorie because being an attorney, being in production movies, I do feel like I don't use a whole world well, because we're females. We have a tougher time. But Jeff, you're surrounded by a lot of women executives. Do you guys feel, I'm asking you both this since you're both my little podcasters today, do you feel it's harder without going on the Me Too bandwagon? Do you feel it's sometimes easier to get away with being an asshole as an executive have to fight more? To do that apology or ego because you're a female versus a male executive leading a team.
1: Wow, that's a lot to unpack there. Are you asking me as a guy or is it for a woman?
0: I would <laughs> I'm asking you as a woman. But Marjorie, like is it tell me, talk to me about that? Because we know when we talk about our clients and being isn't really a female issue, is it just because we aren't as big of assholes as men because they could get away with that. We want to be more politically correct. I know and a lot, lot of women
1: are me. assholes, but let's just be clear. I mean, <laughs> go ahead, Marjorie.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's also
2: culture has shifted. So if we asked this question 20 years ago, there'd be a definite different answer. And yep. I think today, culture has shifted. Culture has been more aware But you also have to think like, okay, the people who were given opportunities 20 years ago, it may have been more men. So it's harder to see women in executive positions because they haven't had the 20 years of training. So I think it's like it's shifting definitely there's more opportunities for women. I mean, there's always been opportunities for women, but maybe not as many, just like minorities, etc. But I do really like where the world has shifted. It's just kind of open eyes. It's just kind of saying like, hey, give somebody else a chance. They may not have this 20 years experience, but they have this great experience over here. And this kind of ties back to what you were talking about, Jeff. It's like creating that brand, creating that personality, creating that who are you and what do you have to offer? Because every human has that. So yeah. I think, you know, giving people opportunities and chances, I think that's what the world is opening up to.
1: Yeah. And, you know, that's a great way to put it, I, you know, and I don't think most men sit there and go, I can't wait to screw over another woman. I mean, you know, like that way. I mean, they, I think the reason it's been done for so long is we don't know what we don't know. And so it's never been truly brought to our attention. By the way, it takes a long time for you to change the habits and the practices that have been institutionalized for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I mean, today, if you were to, like, like let's just take women on board, publicly traded companies. There's only 17% of women who are on boards of publicly traded companies. That's freaking ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So if you were to put a moratorium and said that every single spot had to be filled by a woman. Okay. Once it expires, it would not change in our lifetime. I mean, it would not be to parity in our lifetime. There's something wrong with that. But yet, until you start bringing that out and showing people what the consequences of that is or what is the benefit of that, it will not change. Right. We're socialized in a certain manner and way, and it takes us a while for us to bring through that. Now, there are champions who are out there who will say, Hey, no, let's do this differently, and we shall do it differently. But, you know, it does. I mean, it's no different. Like, you know, on the C-suite network, I make sure that on our programming, women or people of color are greater than 50% of our programming. period. Now, that's me stating that and making it happen. And I've had people come to me and say, well, geez, how do you find qualified people? I said, what the hell are you talking about? Find qualified people. If you can't find qualified people, you better increase your network, right? Let me tell you what, there's lots of qualified people who are people of color or women, especially over there's a lot of idiot men, white men that aren't good at what they do. Right. So we all seen that. So it, it's a matter of really just uh, bringing it forward and changing. And I think that, as you said, Marjorie, the dialogue has changed. The, the, the conversation has changed. And the other thing we have to allow, quite frankly, men to do, and I'm saying this as a man, is you have to allow. For forgiveness, you have to allow for those mistakes to occur. It's like when Black Lives Matter hit pretty hard. You know, I would have people on my show, blacks, <laughs> and I would say, Hey, would you give me the permission to screw up and say it wrong? And I'm going to, we're going to get into a debate here, you know, during Black Lives Matter, the heart of when it was going on. And we're going to say things that I'm not going to be good at. And I don't want to miss, I don't want my intentions to be misconstrued, right? So and the same thing holds true with, you know, men having those discussions about women in the boardroom or women women in whatever aspect of life, because they don't know. I mean, we still argue with you because you 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 ask us to put the damn toilet seat down. Are you crit. You know, we're going like, what the hell? What's your problem? You push it down. You know, like, so, you know, we we don't understand the complications of all those kinds of conversations.
0: <laughs> I just don't, you know, because we've always been in some really good debates. I mean, from, you know, racism, you know, male, females, who's a better executive. But I always feel what I found in a lot of these conversations that irritates the shit out of me is that everybody's allowed an opinion. You know, if I don't agree with you, but I need to understand, I need to listen to understand, not with the purpose to reply. But, and you know, and I keep telling people this, just listen with the purpose to understand what they're saying, not reply. And you can have an opinion. I'm okay with anybody's opinion, whether they agree with me or not, but you should have an opinion without judgment. And I think this is where these conversations get a little bit heated. So when people start having an opinion, they start judging. And an opinion, yeah. an opinion, which is not right or wrong, but it's not going to be with judgment against what who you are, what you look like, or your ability to lead a company. And I think that's been a, I think it's just, it boils down all of this to communications. We as humans, cannot communicate for shit because I've taken more people through media training and I have to check myself. The art of communicating is not an easy thing to do because we're so judgmental when we we can't keep our opinions separate like church and state.
1: Well, you got to have thick skin about it though, too. I mean, Sarah, when you think about it. So recently I went to a, a very big political event that not is not part of my politics. It's opposite. Now, most, most people would see me as, To the right side, and I'm actually a Democrat. And here I went to the Conservative Political Action Committee, a big event, and went to their big event. And I stood by someone who is a former president's—I don't know—son's girlfriend, and she's on a board of directors of a company that I'm also on the board of directors. First time I'd ever met her. Don't share her politics. Don't share all of her things. But I took a picture next to her and post and posted because. I'm on the board of this particular company to say, Hey, I ran into fellow board member X, Y, Z. And I was vilified on my Facebook and my my social media. How dare you, Jeff? Oh, I'm so disappointed in you. Like, when did it become a bad thing to take a picture next to somebody who has opposite political beliefs of you? you know? And, and a, a good good example. I'm sitting here in Miami right now. I'm on the board of Americano Media. It's a conservative. Hispanic political network. I am not, I am conservative. I am not a Republican and I am not Hispanic. I am the only one on the board of that company that is like that, period. But yet somebody says, well, how can you condone their politics? I said, last I checked, the United States constitution is firmly still in place. And it says that everybody has a right to their opinion as long as they're not harming other people. And I believe in that right. And I believe in that person having just as much an opportunity to voice their opinion as this one. And by the way, I'm also a capitalist who believes that you can make money from that. And that's an underserved population in this country that has been taken advantage of far too long and been spoken of. They've been treated poorly and it's been usurped. Their entire ethnic group has been usurped by a political party that, quite frankly, doesn't speak for them.
0: So Marjorie's like, you know, comment on culture and culture change. It's irrelevant what your political party is, or it's irrelevant if
1: you. We should be able to have a conversation like this.
0: But you shouldn't be. It shouldn't be matter of what you look like, what your favorite food is, whether you're wearing, you know, Jimmy Chews or a Nike.
1: Well, if you don't like bacon, I'm gonna have a real problem with anybody. Okay, but so that's that's a different thing. Com- but, this
0: you know, is a political conversation all about bacon. But the thing is, though, like this is what I hate about social media. I know we need it. I know as in business, I have to have it as an agency. I have a social media guy at the agency. And I know we have to, perceptions reality, but it doesn't mean anything of who you are and who you're not. Like so I was in Peru in June with Marjorie. I dragged Marjorie down to Peru to go hike Machu Picchu, get the bucket list off. But I also had a client who was using certain programs in Bitcoin to change the way these impoverished countries are. And I had a conversation with somebody on one of the largest conferences in Latin America Thursday. And he had the most I don't want to say the word ignorant, but he made this comment that was so ignorant based on what my client did and how they're doing it. And I got a little heated and kind of checked him in his place because it was so off kilter. And I feel like is it just, there's so much ignorance out there, people who just want their way, my way or the highway. They're yeah, not well, open
1: to the it's perspective. It's not about what somebody posted. I can't remember what they posted, but it was basically when they're telling you that you're an idiot, it's, they don't care to listen to you. It's just about what they they feel, right? And uh, you know, I, I host a Scotch event every single Sunday night and for the most, almost every single uh, Sunday night. And we get together and we talk about the things you're not supposed to talk about. We talk about sex. We talk about religion. We talk about politics. We talk about then. And, and by the way, there are people on the left, people on the right. They're, they're either, there's black, there's white, there's everything in this group, you know, and it gets very heated. But my comment is that the event is we're not there to change you just to understand you. Yeah. You know, it's great if I have an influence on you, I get you to open your mind and so forth or change, you know, not change, but to have you have a different perspective on things. But I'm not there to really change you, right? You know, that's your value system and everything else. And I don't want to question those things. I assume by the time you've gotten to the point where you can drink scotch with other people in a civilized manner, you should have certain sets of values, right? Regardless of whether they are really my values or yours, they're, they're yours. They're yours. They're not mine. They're yours. So, but, you know, my job isn't to sit there and make you like me or to be, like me, I mean, to enjoy my company, you know, it's great. Let's just have a good conversation. I just want to understand you a little bit better. And, and by the way, if you're the complete opposite of me, right, as long as you're not an asshole, you know, I'd kind of like to hang out with you anyway, because you're going to make me stronger. You're going to make, because sometimes the stuff, it isn't always the things that we agree on that I want to know, but it's the things we disagree because that's what makes us stronger. And, and it helps me form my own opinions and values and you know, that's kind of how I get to things all the time is through, through the discourse of the, of the things that we disagree on. I love good debates. I loved sitting around a table at night and having dinner with people and we talk about things that we don't agree on. It's the uncle that says, pull my finger and says, you're an idiot and throws something across the table, so to speak, that I don't care for. But we should have more of that in this country. And we've lost that. You know, I and I blame a couple of media people who have helped to do that. My opinion. I think they've led us to politics of hate and no tolerance of p- other people and other views. You know, I, I wrote about this in my last book, The Hero Club. People need to pick a side. A lot of people don't like Donald Trump. You know, now he's a friend of mine. I, I've, I've said this publicly. He's a friend of mine because I was a judge on Celebrity Friends for three years, and we did business together. But you know, he's batshit crazy. There's no no doubt about it. He's just nuts. But but what I said is good about him or people like him or women like him is they choose you to pick a side that's awesome it's because when we don't pick sides that we don't get to where we need to go and so you might think he's crazy or you know or whatever or you know or you might love him either way you're picking a side great good now now we got somewhere we can work from
0: yeah but you know and I side, think
1: we need to have more of that
0: pick I think we all need to have- stand on our beliefs and what we believe in and pick a side. But if I have the side I'm on doesn't mean yours or Marjorie's side is any better, any worse. It's just a different side that I'm not educated on. I'm not having a dialogue on as long as you're not hurting other people.
1: That's the only way I draw the line, right? Where you, if you're, you're harming other people in some way or mistreating people, I don't care. I really have a tough time for that. You know, it's like, you know, I'm on boards, I'm on lots of different things that are I getting, you know, if I, if I were to see a fight, I jump in the middle of it. Why? Because that's what good people do. That's what you should do when you see someone being taken advantage of or armed or hurt. I don't like those kinds of things. And so I tend to be a little bit more like a cowboy that way.
2: You know, I kind of think what what's happened is we've swung a little bit too far where we can't have the real conversations. Like I had a friend who was pretty up and high up in a studio s- system, and she actually got fired for having a content discussion on a particular topic. And somebody was like, "Well, I felt like that was inappropriate," and all of a sudden it kind of got huge, and she yeah. got fired because of comments she made regarding content or regarding a program. So I feel like there's a challenge we have now. How can we have conversations that we need to have if we need to be educated, if we don't understand the other side? But how do we create good conversations? And this is kind of your sweet spot is you allow open forums. So how are you creating these important conversations without or maybe you're exploding them. Up. <laughs> no,
1: it's about value. You know, Mar- Marjorie, it's a great thing. When I hear a company that does that, that's a company that lacks values. Right off the bat, I can tell you that their employees couldn't cite the values of the company. The, the C-level executives probably couldn't either. And for right or wrong, then it's not saying it's a negative thing against them. It's just that's a fact. Because if you hold values at the core of what you do, whatever those values are, then you can live by those values. And if those are core tenets of the of the way in which you represent and want to be like there, it's wow, it's it's unbelievable. When companies operate with values, they make more money, they gross more money, they have happier employees, they have customers who are more engaged with them and vendors who like them. I mean, it can go on, on and on. And I, I think that's the core piece is that you've got to be rooted in values. And, and if you're rooted in values, you can have you, it allows you to, you know, OK, you, you, if you if you screamed at me, it's OK. Because I know who I am, I know what my values are, and I think that we we sometimes we don't drive through those in in companies especially, and I think we've lost values as a sometimes as a society, and we haven't had those kind of tough conversations about that. And we're and if you really get down to it, it makes it a it makes it so much easier for us to be able to operate if you have a set of values that you live by, and and you know, and just don't compromise those values. I mean, I, there are times when you know I'm strict about the things that I believe in and, you know, I'd go to jail for, you know, I'd get arrested for them. I would have people who would walk away from me, you know, and never be my friend again. I'm okay with that because this is how these are my values and, and, and my values are no better than your values. They're your values. Right. So I get it. I might not want to hang out with you because your values, but I respect your values, you know?
0: I think it's about, it goes back to leadership. Like I'm all about when we do our newsletters and everything with access branding is own your leadership. It doesn't matter what it is to your guys, both your points, own your own leadership. I think one of the reasons, Marjorie, to what you said, it's not about owning your own leadership, it's owning your own voice. We have been so told to keep quiet, Settle down. Don't raise our voice in boardrooms. Don't bring up stuff politically to VPs, hires up. I mean, I growing up through the system, I worked for a big PR firm. I sat there quietly for a little bit Not a lot, but I did mouth off and I did stand my ground and I'm surprised I didn't get canned the first time I mouthed off to the CEO of a global agency I worked for, but that kept me because I held my ground. I held my belief and I've always been very outspoken, but I feel like people are so afraid to tell the truth or they're so afraid. And I, I don't think it's a male, female thing. I mean, Jeff, you could probably talk that differently is people are afraid to voice their opinions without... It's not so
1: much about the truth. I think they'd tell the truth that they felt safe. If they were in an environment where transparency was valued. We all know, we've all, all three of us have been in rooms where we all knew what the elephant was in the room. It's standing there in a big tutu in the middle of the conference table, but nobody would say something because of the kind of environment that the company operated in or families operate in, right? I mean, I'm a huge believer in, and, and I've taught my children to be very transparent, you know, you love to say F it, you know, or whatever, because I, I don't want them to ever, you know, it's like when my daughter was growing up, they would always come over and say to the waitress, you know, we'd go out to dinner as we were traveling and they would say, what would she like? And I said, I don't know, ask her, you know, and she was five, right? Because you, you want them to have that voice. And so you, uh, you you got to strive very hard for transparency. I think transparency is real critical in organizations and in relationships, in families, in, you know, companies, whatever you want, in football teams, you know, imagine a football team where the lineman misses a block and everybody comes in, the, the quarterback gets sacked and you come back to the huddle and no one talks about it. You know, it, what, what's more powerful if the lineman comes back to the, the huddle and says, my bad, I made a mistake. The guy across from me is stronger than me. He's faster than me. I need some help. And the other tackle next to him says, hey, I can help you with that. My guy's not so tough. I'll help you. You know, that's teamwork. That's a community. That's family. But that takes that. It takes strong leadership and it takes great values. And part of those values have to be around trends, in my opinion, have to be around transparency. Which
0: starts from the top down. Like you've got to walk into a room if you're of any kind of C-level and you've got to be transparent. You've got to probably to your team, that there is no fear, speak to truth, say what you need, come if you have a problem, a question, if you have an opinion without fear, because that's what a good leader does. They put your teams in a position where they can lead on their own. They can make decisions and voice it without repercussions, without losing their job or getting their head taken off. But I, I feel like this goes back to the politics of leadership from the top down. When you walk into a boardroom, which you all have Is it fear or is it because nobody just wants to say anything? They don't want the conflict. There's no transparency. Where does that start and end? It's got to start from the top down. That's why everything we've been doing lately has all been on leadership, at least on my podcast, because that leadership is so critical. If you're going to take the role of a leader, having the title of a CEO isn't earned. It's not a given title. It's an earned title. You have to earn that leadership. You have to earn that title. I think a lot of people today and we see a lot of startups, these Marjorie and I do with these 20, 30 year olds, they're not really leaders. They just kind of acquire the title. They didn't earn that title. They don't really know what leadership is. Having a title doesn't make you a good leader until you earn that. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely.
0: And this is what I deal with every day in an agency with our clients and with some of the sports teams and NFL guys I deal with. You're not a leader. You 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 can't that title isn't given. It's not granted. It's earned. And that's the problem that I'm seeing within the ranks right now. And I don't know, to your guys' point, is it, you know, culture? Is it COVID just changed the dynamics and narrative of how we all work? How we No, work? well,
1: listen, let's don't be, I mean, the COVID didn't make all things good. I mean, right now there's these quiet quitters, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, quiet quitters. You know, and they think that they're got one up on the company and they're doing this. I call these guys coasters. They're just losers. I'm serious. And I'll I'll say this because they're really they're really cutting themselves short. It's not hurting my business and my business to survive. But you're you've just told me what kind of value system you have. Thank you. Can't wait.
0: That's the big resignation. I'm so tired of some people say, oh, the big resignation. No, no. You got tired. You got burnt out during COVID. You quit. But now a year later, I know executives on the studio side that, oh, the great resignations. Da, 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 not a big
1: I call it the big transformation. But it's a big a transformation. Resigned, We're yeah. transforming the way we do things, right? Yeah, it's different.
0: But there's a lot of people who decide they resign from big companies to do startups to help be their own boss. But the grass isn't green. It's just a different shade of green. And now they're all like, <laughs> <laughs> holy shit being in a startup is hard you have to fund it myself i have to pay the money to do the only way
1: jobs. the grass is greener on the other side is if, built it, if if you grow it over a septic tank that's the only <laughs> way i'm telling you that right now it's that's, just a different shade so say
0: un-
2: a lot of people are regretting resigning wow. now a year later they were like oh we're gonna resign we're gonna live this different life hey we'll
0: worst know. thing
1: i ever did not the worst, but let me tell you what the salary I was taking when I was a Fortune 100 officer. And one day I just said, "I'm done. I'm quitting. I quit." I, I, it was probably the worst mistake I made in my business career. Now, I it took me a decade to turn it around, but you know, but nonetheless, I don't do that again. So, anyone out there that's listening right now, if you're a Fortune 100 officer, do not resign. <laughs>
0: The big resignation is just a fraud it's a scam it doesn't exist yeah. they're going to regret the shade of green and grass <laughs> on the other side of the
1: well uh, Keith Frazee, I said what I said what advice you got from me because he was the CMO at starwood hotels at the time and he resigned to go off into his book and I said what advice do you you have for me before I leave and he goes hold on to your title as long as you can mm-hmm. that, that was pretty smart advice very smart advice
0: I think it's sound advice to the state people are still trying to figure out. Should I leave? And I, I just don't, I just feel like been a big shift and it's not a good shift for these companies. Cause they're not hiring back. They're going to outsource or you they're don't going
1: to wanna... outsource. Yeah.
0: yeah and wh- why it, and I...
1: By the way, it's not as nice in the other places. I'm just telling We're all of us have done this. We know what it's like. It's you're going to have, you know, jerks working with the new stuff and you're going to have, it's just as bad. You might be responsible. And if you don't have any jerks working in a new spot, you better be looking in the mirror. Yeah
0: sage advice it was so good having you i is why i always love having you on the show with us we always just jump into these random conversations no filters real conversations
1: well, I was being nice, so yeah. I did. What are you talking about, filters? <laughs> I was being nice. I watched my language. I only swore once or twice. It was good. Yeah, I'll do my best. The last best. time I we
0: had you on, we had a lot of cursing, and we still probably filter. yeah. You
1: gotta we see, did. everybody gets those red marks. I when I had my own show on Bloomberg, when I had my own primetime show on Bloomberg, they used to they used to bleep me on my own show. I was like, hey, come stop that! I own the show. Go,
0: <laughs> I think I was told by Marjorie and one of our guests. I, I I was very vocal on a topic, Marge. I think you know what I was talking about. And they're both like, oh, no, no, hell no. You have to edit that out. But I'm always like, no, no, these are real provocative, real conversations. There's no filter and edits. You should be able to talk openly. And we had a big comedian on. He was a black man. I mean, he schooled me. I mean, he schooled us on the white versus black and the whole Black Lives Matter and the heat of all of that. And we've had a few guests really come out on our podcast of stuff that we didn't see coming because it was a safe place to talk about whatever you wanted to. We're here to listen, to learn, to enjoy the dialogue. We're not here to judge. And we had a comedian come out of his struggle as a black man and he didn't do it on HBO. We had another amazing guest that Marjorie and I were both good friends with who came out on our podcast, was sexually abused. You know, when he was little, it shaped his future. I mean, we just sat back and have had the most raw conversations. I mean,
1: that's good to have. I mean, you know, by all of it. again, transparency. I talked about this two years ago when at the height of Black Lives Matter, you know, I had people of color on my show and, and we get to talking about this. With, and then I would, and by the way, I would have guests come or, you know, guests or people, fans that would join and we'd have two or 300 people on the call. And they would, you know, say something like, well, yeah, I don't see color. I'm going, I don't know what you're talking about. I see color. I go, Jimmy, do you know you're black? You're black. I don't know if anyone ever told you you're black, you know, and so forth and so on. We'd have these conversations. It's okay to talk about that stuff. Be transparent about it. go, again, the more that we do that, the better. And it's not to say that that's a better color or anything else. It's just to say, recognize our differences, recognize the things that we're a lot alike on, and you'll find, by the way, the more we talk about our differences, the more we'll find out that we're more alike.
0: Yeah, I think people are just afraid to be judged and afraid to say stuff and I just feel like if this is what we've come to as a society, we're in a lot of trouble.
1: But you're going to say st- again, I said this early on. You're going to say stuff that's not right. You got to give me permission to oh. to be a beginner. You know, if you if you want to be a maestro, you got to learn to play a lot of bad notes. And I think everybody in life wants to, would love to be a maestro of some kind, you know, whether it's in relationships or whether they're they're a business or they're, you know, they'd be a father or or Grandfather, or whatever, but I screw up a lot, man. I sure screw up a lot, but that's how we learn.
0: You're only human. If you can't, if you
1: can't forgive me and and give me a little leeway, I'm never going to get there. Yeah. She's so going to be stuck the same so old way.
0: We had the most, the most insane podcast with Tawny Katane. She went around the world. I mean, her and I were like nonstop chatting. It was the best podcast. But
1: who's Tawny McCain? I don't even know who's that. Tawny, Who is it?
0: <laughs> Tawny Catin. She was the uh, Max what she's probably best known for oh. her role in bachelor,
2: bachelor. party. And, and she, she was the girl on the car in the white stink video. Yeah. So that was her.
0: Was she also, know. She was very now, talented. Bachelor
1: party. I kind of know, but I don't know the, the white. <laughs> she video. she I don't was know what very that good. Friend. I got to go look her up now.
0: She was <laughs> Carla Maples. Um, she knew Donald Trump very well. Knew a lot of political figures, very controversial. She had no filter. She was the most amazing person. I mean, she passed away two years ago
1: which was just oh.
0: heartbreaking but when we did our podcast oh, i know yeah. who she is yeah yeah I, I gotta tell you somebody who speaks from the heart does not mince words the most outspoken opinionated um, i mean she was somebody we had on our podcast i just i think she was in the early days blew up our podcast it was the best conversation she was the, everything that we've talked about like she just says what it is she has an opinion she doesn't apologize for anything. And she talks about everything from who she's dated, what she's done, no matter how hated anybody is. She owned everything she's done. Amazing person. If you've ever had a chance to talk to her, but I just love that she was on our podcast before she passed away.
1: Uh, It's too bad. Yeah, I I do remember her. I'm, I'm one of those terrible. I don't know anybody in pop culture or anything. Ask me who the CEO or the CMO of this company is. I know But outside of that, don't have a professional athlete. Somebody will tell me, hey, who's so-and-so? I don't have a clue. At least
0: you'll always remember me and Marjorie
1: DeHaye. Thank you. Well, I'll come back anytime. You just let me know.
0: It's so good. I always love having you on. I'm so happy you took the time for us. I know you're down in Florida right now. Congratulations with this big media company.
1: Keep Thank you. We're street. having a lot of fun. I'm I'm enjoying it. Again, you know, like I don't always agree with everything, but I agree in the principles it's set up around. And so that's the key yeah. that you have to get living my values again. And so I'm doing everything I can to make sure that this this group has as much a right to say it's amazing. I sit here and watch how they are throttled back or limited in their free speech. It's not fair. It's not fair. And I just can't even, I can't even believe that it would happen. And it happens and it happens all the time. And you see it, you know, it's like, it's no different than somebody posting something on Facebook and Facebook decides, nope, you should take it down. You're going to go on, you know, and Facebook, uh, what, jail or whatever. Yeah. And,
2: oh, you know, I have a big, having studied constitutional law, I have a big problem with Facebook limiting. I mean, honestly, if it's yeah. like, Graphically violent or, you know, things like that. Yeah, that's okay, different.
1: There's, there's standards, right? Yeah. Uh, there are yeah. Sometimes standards.
2: it's just people post a meme. It gets or people, my friend posted a peanut butter cookie recipe <coughs> and she went to Facebook jail and we're still to this day, not sure how that
1: happens. Well, or somebody <laughs> posts a picture of a, of a semi-nude baby and it's labeled as child pornography. And they literally have taken their pictures of their own kids off. Like it's going to their friends. You know, it's like, what? I don't get that. But anyway, they can do whatever. By the way, they can do whatever they want. Just like no different than somebody can take a knee on the side of a football game during the national anthem. Now, I might not like it. somebody could burn an American flag. I might not like it, but I will defend your right to do it because that will make us stronger. Now, that doesn't mean there's not a repercussion because of it. Right. Just no different than posting that the picture of the child. Should you do that? Because there are some really weird people out there. Right. That's a different thing. So you got to think about those kinds of things and the consequences of your actions and decide, is it worth it? You know, it's just like I'm active in social media, as many as you guys know, and and I have stalkers. I have people who steal my pictures and try to cheat other people. And happen happens every single week that comes through. You know, I was on the BBC special a couple years ago where some woman had given some guy $600,000 thinking it was me, you know? I didn't see any of that money, but she fell in love with this guy who was my pictures and my videos and he cheated her out of her money. And she was a, a pretty good pretty big executive in over in the UK. And um, thought I was some uh, what was I bioengineer or something living in Dubai or South Africa or something like that. See so, that's what
0: me on social is that you know they they're the censors to them, they're taking down stuff in Facebook jail for stupid stuff. But there is people who are skimming, they're hacking into stuff. My, my yeah. dad had a fake account. I had to spend three hours getting my dad's account unraveled and fighting it out for him. Because yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? And then I see somebody, a good friend of mine, very good looking guy. He's a model. I mean, he does a lot of charity stuff. A great guy. There's a fake one of him on Facebook. So I made a comment and Davey's like, I'm not on Facebook. You know that. Well, somebody is. It's like Facebook is allowing so much shit, but then they're. Not letting us do the basics of like sharing recipes, putting a photo of your child on there. I mean, we we all get attacked. I know Margie's been attacked. I've been attacked. I got a block list a mile long. I just finally posted one day. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. Your pants are your pants. I respect it. But don't start a fucking war on my social media. Yeah, on my own page. Politics on my page. And I laid it on law. And I never... Stuff like that, but I wasn't going to happen. Then I see people. If you're a Trump supporter, if you're a Republican, yeah, yeah. remove yourself because I won't be friends with you. It's like, come on, you're smart executives.
1: Yeah, I, yeah I like it when someone says they're disappointed in me. Was <laughs> <What is> it <laughs> or one time? I, I, you know, for whatever it is, I was like out hunting prairie dogs. Now I'm from South Dakota, and we hunt prairie dogs. We we kill these things, and somebody wrote that they were offended and blah, 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 went after me and started all this stuff. And finally, I just said, what? I said, it was some woman. I said, ma'am, what's your address? I posted back. She goes, why? I said, because I'm going to capture a mating pair of these things and I'm going to come and let them loose in your backyard. And if in a year from now, you still believe the same opinion, I said, I'm willing to hear it, but I'll guarantee you after they have mated and in one year produced 1800 of their little offspring and then they lay to your yard and whatever fields you have barren that makes it look like the moon landscape I'll guarantee you'll come and ask me to come and shoot those things for you so anyway it's fun well thank you guys
0: that was a good ending note okay so keep Prairie Dogs, keep us posted on all this new stuff. And you have some big stuff coming up. You're working on the next
1: few Yeah, weeks. I can't wait to tell everybody. Yeah, Got some keep, big stuff.
0: keep us posted on that. Also, for anybody who needs, they want to be a podcaster, they have questions, need to be schooled on how to start one, c or...
1: Yeah, it- c-sweetnetwork.com or go to C-Suite Radio or reach out to me at Jeffrey Hazlett. I'm on social media tech you know, DM me or whatever, or just drop me a note on LinkedIn or whatever. I'll, I'll It'll be me responding and we'll get back to you. We'd love to have you.
2: Perfect. Great, Jeff. I need $600,000. I hear you just got it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. I wish it were me. I wish. I wish.
0: Uh, if I find prairie dogs bouncing around, I know where to find you.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, at the end of that thing, it was on TV. The end of it, I told her, "It's not me, it's not me, it's not me." And 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 we kept talking, and she's, you know, said, "I believe it's you." And I go, "It's not me. Let me be clear, you know." And these guys are very good at what they do, and they start the videos and stop it, start it, stop it, and then then they speak over it, you know, and, and say, "Oh, it's a bad connection," and so forth, and and uh, they know how to manipulate. And at the end of it, she said, "Well, maybe we could go for a drink or tea." And I said, "Sweetheart, didn't this get you started in the first place?" I said, no, N-O. Right click on someone's photo. See if it's even their image. See if it, do a Google search on the image and so forth. And then stop doing this. Stop. All right.
0: Okay. It was so good having you on the show. Jeff, look forward to having you back on again. This is Sarah Miller, Marjorie DeHaye with Media Mavens Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens Podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com.